Hey, welcome to the Youth Pastor Theologian Podcast, where theology and youth ministry meet. You can learn more about Youth Pastor Theologian online at youthpastortheologian.com or find us on social media at Youth Theologian. I'm your host, Mike McGarry. Thanks for joining us for this conversation about practicing theology and youth ministry. I'm here in our online studio with friend and contributor uh, Jason Engel. Jason is the pastor of students and discipleship at Westwood Baptist Church in Roxboro, North Carolina. Jason and his wife have three kids ranging from 16 to nine years old, and he's served in his church for 17 years, uh, and he's recently completed his Doctor of Education degree from Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Jason, how you doing? Hey, man, doing well. It's an honor to be here with you. Uh, the honor's ours. Um, all right, so you know the drill uh, because <laughs> you're you're a, a youth pastor, theologian, insider. So um, when you were a teenager, what was in your Walkman? <laughs> in the old Walkman, yeah. See, we're old enough to understand that. We, yes. you know, that's, that's not just uh, theoretical for us. That's, that's real. We can feel Literal. That. The, the yellow, the good old yellow <laughs> Walkman with the wired, uncomfortable exactly headphones. Right. Always carrying around a pencil in case you had to, uh, you know, do a little, do yep. a little repair to the cassette. Yep. That's right. Yeah. Uh, oh man, what was in my Walkman is a good mixture. My, you know, my dad raised us on oldies, so we were always listening to '60s and '70s music. Um, but I was a product of the 80s, so you know I loved Michael Jackson and uh, loved just a lot of music from that era. But you know, in the 90s, when I was a teenager, it was uh, a mixture between the good 90s uh, Christian music, you know, um, DC Talk, um, you know, kind of brand flavor of music. Scott Crepane, yeah. I loved, which is not a name you hear a lot, but I always loved hearing no. him sing songs. Scott and I, 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 yeah, he was awesome. And I would, I, I've I would, never uh, heard that name before. I would select his tracks at the Christian bookstore to sing at my church. So his voice was really uh, a a great songwriter. Uh, So I I enjoyed him, but also loved Boys to Men and a lot of the music from the 90s. So it was was just a mixture of a whole lot of stuff. So (laughs) nice. I love it. Yeah. And then, and then you convert the, the Walkman to the Discman. That's right. Which was much more difficult. To walk around with, <laughs> yeah. right? You like you, you gotta have like the natural, yeah, exactly. The, shock of, the hand shock absorber, right? right? And then, I and then wonder, you put it in your car. I wonder how many people my age got the discman the exact same Christmas morning that I did, only to be so disappointed to go outside and put it on your hip and start running and realizing this this doesn't work. You can't. This do is it. not going to work. <laughs> oh man, so many of us. Yeah, That's right. so many of us. <laughs> and then for me, it was the disc man in the car with mm-hmm. the, the cassette player, right? That you would you yep. would, you know connect the disc man to your cassette player, right. so you could play That's the right. CDs through there. But yep. every time you go over a bump, it every was bump. just yep. skipping. Every yep. yeah, yeah. And all I think the young I did guys that right for maybe two days, like, and what it was it was done. happening. <laughs> yeah, right. oh, it was so frustrating. It was so frustrating. <laughs> So here we are, <laughs> old timers, right? And, old timers, um, that's yeah, right, man. I, I, I'm really 
that this is why we call veterans, right? If veterans that's is right, much veterans. more dignified that's, than that's better. old timers. Right. Yeah, it's much better. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I'm so thankful for you and um, for other veterans like yourself um, in youth pastor theologian. So um, I've been really looking forward to this conversation for quite a while about your uh, Doctor of Education dissertation. So yeah. uh, is titled Teaching Towards Biblical Knowing, Developing a Student Ministry Pedagogy that Helps Students Connect Faith to Life. Yep. Uh, could you give us like a 30-second flyby of your dissertation, and then we're going to dive into uh, some of the, the topics about discipleship and making a discipleship plan. Sure, I'll do my best. Uh, so really, two things drove my uh, interest in pursuing this topic. Uh, one is just, I think, for all of us that are in student ministry, uh, the apostasy rate, you know, students dropping out of student ministry late in their teenage years uh, after getting their driver's license. And, you know, whatever you believe those numbers are, some people believe that some of those numbers are conflated, others don't. We, we know that there are students leaving our student ministries. We experience it. We see it. Um, so that was one, uh, one thing that kind of was nagging me. I wanted to find some answers to that. How do we practically respond? Um, and then another one was just um, how do we teach students well? Um, you know, there yeah. is the problem in student ministry of um, pragmatism, and that is a big problem that I see in student ministry. And I think mm -hmm. a lot of that is due to aimlessness. Uh, so I really wanted to discover, are there biblical objectives that we ought to be leading students toward? What is the biblical objectives that should, that should set how we do student ministry, how we minister to students, where are we trying to take them? And I think that yeah. is the cure for aimlessness, right? If we can understand the end, if we can understand what we're moving toward, um, you know, I want to begin with the end in mind so that we are moving towards something and doing the best thing instead of a bunch of good things. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I narrowly kind of came to the conclusion that I wanted to look at the prayers of Paul. Um, you know, Paul makes this statement in Colossians 1 towards the end of the chapter uh, that he wants to, uh, he, he, the reason why he toils and struggles and strives and, and leans into suffering is because he wants to present every person as mature. And that to me is an objective. That is Paul's objective. That's why he does everything that he does. And so I've always loved the prayers of Paul, and I kind of, um, you know, wondered if, if this is Paul's stated objective, then the way that he prays for the believers that he is toiling and striving on behalf of, then certainly we see something in those prayers of um, aspects of this objective and, and how he pursues the objective of spiritual maturity. So if we can identify those in Paul's prayers, that gives us a measure as student pastors to say, okay, are we pursuing the same things that we see in the scriptures? And uh, so that's really what I did. I, I looked at the introductory prayers in Philippians, uh, Ephesians, and Colossians, and just started with a blank slate. You know, what do mm -hmm. I see here? Can I, can I identify some aspects to this overarching objective of spiritual maturity? And then, you know, how am I doing in pursuing those things? So that's yeah. kind of in a nutshell what, what, the, what the dissertation was about. Oh, that's awesome. So, so let's let's dig into some of that. So, yeah, uh, you 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 talk about uh, planning discipleship with the end in mind, yeah. and you also talk about the the dangers of pragmatism. Yeah, uh, what do you mean by planning your discipleship with the end in mind while also 
avoiding the dangers of pragmatism. What does that what sure. does that mean and what does that look like? So let's talk about pragmatism first. I think pragmatism, you know, it may sound like a really bad thing. I think that we do it sometimes without even knowing that we're doing it. And even we can do that well-intentioned. Um, so pragmatism is just doing what feels right in the moment, what, what we think works. And I think that so much of student ministry is driven by this question of what will work, what will get them here, mm-hmm. what will keep them here, what will uh, they love? What will bring them back? And so we make a lot of our decisions yeah. based on like those kinds the door. of questions. Exactly. Getting them in the door, keeping yeah. them in the door, you know. Um, and I mean, even in our teaching, you know, what would be good to teach right now? What series do they need to to go through? What what part of the Bible do I need to teach? Or what, you know, and, and again, some of those are good questions. They're not bad questions, but they can become aimless if we don't have an overarching view of where we're trying to take students. You know, what is our task? What has God called us to do as student pastors? Um, And so if we can gain a vision for what we are trying to achieve in those years that we are stewarding these young lives, um, then we can begin to uh, make better decision to move towards what is best. And, you know, that really is um, the function of objectives really in any educational situation is that in education, we always want to start with the end in mind. We, wanna, we want to first define where we're wanting to go. And if we can do that, then that will begin to direct each step towards that. So that when we evaluate, the question isn't just, was that good? Or how do we feel about that? The question is, mm-hmm. did it move us in the direction of our vision? And so um, I think that's one of the great correctives that I would love to see happen across the landscape of student ministry is more student pastors beginning with the end in mind, um, sitting down with their team, sitting down with the pastoral staff, um, and beginning to ask that question. Why are we here? Why do we exist? And at the end of these six, seven, eight years that we have with students, what is it that we're wanting to produce? What are we wanting to see happen in their lives? And then when we have that answered, when we have the why answered, then we can go back and answer the how and the what and all of that. So that's what I mean by that. Um, we need to combat pragmatism by stop being aimless and get a vision for where we're wanting to go. And I believe that with all things, we should get that from the Bible, right? Um, when we can yeah. identify that, then we can begin to plan every step towards that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really good. I mean, I, I just, I agree. Um, I think there's a lot of conversation among youth workers about just how do we keep attendance up? Uh, how do we get kids right. in the door? Um, and then there's even just this whole like the ends justify the means type of approach yep. to programming. That's right. And well, if it you know if if these you know gross games and silly games are what you need to do to get kids in, and then you preach the gospel, um, what what's so bad? What's bad about that? Why wouldn't we do that? Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, just how do we think through? How do we think through these types of issues and these questions? Um, so. Um, yeah, when you're, when you're talking to youth workers and they give these examples of kind of more pragmatic things that they've done in ministry that have brought non-believing students to come and to hear the gospel. And then they're saying, but why, so why, what's the problem, right? Why wouldn't I do that? How do you respond? And again, it's not, it's not diagnosing bad things. You may, you may identify some really good things that you're doing. But the question is, can you answer why you're doing that? And is the why tied to a greater vision that you have? Um, you know, it's not eliminating everything that you think is silly or just fun, you know, but where do those things fit and where we're wanting to mm-hmm. go? 
And ultimately, yeah. what are we dri- what are we being driven by? I'll tell you a quick story. Um, several years ago, um, I got our student uh, leaders together. We had about nine or ten at the time, and um, I was interested to see if we were all moving in the same direction. So I asked them to um, to follow a link that I sent them to take a little survey. And in the survey, all I asked them was uh, list three to five objectives that we want to see take place within a student's life by the time they graduate. Just what are three to five things that we want to mm-hmm. see uh, happen? What do we want to see that is true about them? And I got, I think, 26 responses back from the nine or 10 leaders that we had. And yeah. so I sat down with them the next week and I said, okay, here's what I found. I got 26 responses and 14 different answers. And so I said, what does that tell us? And immediately they said, we're not all on the same page. We're not all singing from the same sheet of music, you know. And so it was a good way to show that we're being, we're, we're, we're trying to bring a shotgun approach into this. And that's really not going to move students in any tangible direction. They'll, they'll, they'll graduate the student ministry with some good yeah. things, but yeah. are we moving them towards a vision that we have? And, you know, our subsequent conversations and the way that we began to define what we do were so good after that, but we needed to see that. We needed to see that we're, none of the, none of the answers they gave were, were bad. They were all good, but none of them were best. And so from there, right. we were able to define that. Yeah, that's really, that's really good. That's really good. Um, so when we're thinking about teaching, right, and mm-hmm. um, we're preparing our message, it's, it's really easy for us to spend so much time thinking about the message and the content that we are going to unleash and bequeath upon our students, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. I will now grace you with my almost infinite wisdom. Um, <laughs> That approach can still lead to some really bad teaching because mm-hmm. it's not keeping the actual student and learner in right. mind. Um, so why is it crucial for teachers to really think about the people who they're teaching mm-hmm. and to develop a more robust understanding of knowing? Um, and what do you think we've gotten wrong in student ministry mm-hmm. about that? Yeah, there's a lot of different answers to that. I'll, I'll, I'll touch on a couple of things. Number one, um, through the course of doing my dissertation, I really got to um, read just some great resources by some authors who are saying a, re- a lot of really good things in the area of, of philosophy, especially in the area of epistemology, how we know, mm-hmm. um, and then the area of ministry and teaching. And one of the common threads I found pretty quickly is that they were all diagnosing the same problem. And what they were highlighting is the fact that you know, everybody understands uh, what Descartes said, I I think, therefore I am, right? And um, all of these authors were saying that we have kind of carried that forward in the way that we understand the human. And that doesn't quite synthesize with a Christian view of who we are. Um, The problem with that is we've carried it into discipleship. And so we are, we, we, we latch onto this belief that if I just transfer information, then we will see behavioral change. And this is what this idea has kind of bred. And But if you look at the scriptures and how the scriptures describe who we are, we are not just brains. Uh, we are brains, we are minds, we are hearts, we are body. And uh, you know, Craig Troxell has written a great book uh, called With All Your Heart. And in that, he, he shows how those things really make up the center of who we are. So a lot of times when the, when the Bible is talking about the heart, it's talking about the mind. And when it's talking about the mind, it really has the, the heart in mind as well. Mm-hmm. And so that led me to understand that I need to have a, a, a more robust understanding of who the students are that I'm teaching to, yeah. um, to understand that I'm not just transferring information to them and then just hoping that it'll all work out in their lives. 
I need to understand, um, you know, specifically with my dissertation, what is knowing? Uh, is knowing something that just takes place up here in our minds, or is that something that takes place in our minds and in our hearts, hearts and in our bodies? And, um, yeah. you know, Dr. Esther Meek was really um, helpful for me in understanding a, 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 a better about what it means to know um, and how we know in, in all manner, not just, not just know God, not just know the scriptures. Um, but ultimately, I want students not to just gain information. I want to see them begin to walk the way of Christ. And so that's going to be more than me just transferring information and just hoping that they connect the dots. Um, so that's one of the things I think that we get that we get wrong just simply because we don't know our students. Um, the second thing I would say to that is, um, you know, we, we affirm the Imago Dei in all people, and our students are all created in the image of God. Um, but that doesn't mean that there is a conformity there. There's a great diversity there in the way that we are, what we, that we image God. And we need to understand that not everybody learns the same way. Not everybody mm-hmm. understands and comprehends the same way. And so one of the challenges for me, especially as I've gone through school, is to understand I teach a certain way, but not everybody learns the way that I teach. And so right. there really needs to be um, you know, a diversity in the way that I teach in order to teach to every student that is hearing what I am teaching them. So you know, just understanding who is in my audience and then understanding how I need to communicate to my audience and not only individually mind, heart, soul, body, all of that, but understanding that there's a, a diversity of learning styles uh, among my students too, I think if we take those two factors into play, we are going to become better, better, better teachers. Yeah, I think that's really good. But what are what are some of the ways that you think we can accidentally fall into inter information transfer mode? Mm-hmm. Right, but like yeah. as as a ministry called youth pastor theologian, I mean, yeah. who are, it's like we're like inherently nerdy, right? <laughs> and we're not right. apologizing. And we're not apologizing for that. Um, yep. But so I, I'm just guessing that our listeners are probably prone to the the information transfer side. Yep. What what words do you have for for us? Yeah, and what what you're saying right there, I think there's uh, there's a there's a detrimental kind of response in that. I, I, I hate the way that a lot of people hear the term theology and they immediately equate, you know, thick theology books and, you know, yeah. sitting in a, a library with a bunch of leather bound books and, you know, just spending hours on end reading these theologians and different languages and all this stuff. Really, this, my study and my dissertation has centered me more on theology um, because I understand that the centerpiece of theology is coming to know and love God. Like that is what theology mm-hmm. is about, um, and this is one of the one of the distinctions that needs to be made more. I think in student ministry is that we are not leading our students. Uh, the objective is not to lead them to learn more about God or know about God. It is leading them yeah. to know God. That's a huge distinction. Yeah. And so, if I if I pour into students for seven years and they can ace doctrine exams, but they do not have a love for Jesus, they're probably not going to continue following him. And as I look back on 20 years in student ministry, I can identify students, and it makes my heart so sad, that left and knew a lot. And and probably because I had been so heavy on information during those years, that they left and fell off uh, from from following Jesus because I had not led them to follow him. I had not lifted... Christ up for them to behold and to treasure and to love, um, even though they could they could spout out a whole lot of things about him. 
And so I would say that if, if, if our idea of theology is just tied to the brain and, and the information that we know, I would say that that's false theology from the get-go. Um, yeah. Yes, we need to love the Lord with all of, our mi- all of our minds, but we're also to love Him with all of our mind, heart, soul, and strength. And so teaching to the whole person in that way and leading them in, in more holistic theological response to God, I think, is, should be more the aim of, of what, we're, what we're after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is really good. Um, I don't know if you were able to catch uh, an episode a few months back with um, some friends from the UK uh, talking about top-down and bottom-up approaches to, mm. to ministry and discipleship. Um, but I'm going to link that in the show notes here uh, because Gareth and Robin had some really helpful frameworks for that that I, I think is reflected in what you're saying too. Mm. Um, that it's, it's this, it, it has to do with teaching and experience. It's not teaching or experience. It's not the practical life skills or teaching heady doctrine. Um, That's exactly right. It, it's that discipleship is where life and doctrine meet. And it's really interesting, Mike, um, in the, the first chapter of my dissertation, I, I spell out, you know, why sort of I'm, I'm writing what I'm writing. Yeah. And in the research, um, it was interesting to me that a lot of the students who have left the church, um, mm-hmm. the reasons they give for why they left the church is that, that what they learned in church was not relevant to their lives. Yeah. And then on the adverse, when you look at students who have stayed in church and stayed tied to church, the central reasons that they give for why they stay is because they see how relevant their faith is to life. And that's the danger. If we're just teaching to the mind and just just offering information, we're never showing students how this stuff connects to their life and what faith looks like in a tangible way. Um, You know, students are going to, they're looking for answers. They want to know how this stuff speaks to life. And um, we've got to, you know, I think that's our responsibility as student ministry leaders is to not only present the truth, but help them to make those connections, you know, mm-hmm. um, how, you know, so what if this is true? And that's, that's, that's a question that I'm throwing around a lot with our students at the end of a message. I'll say, so what, you know, as we transition to our small groups now, that's the question. So what, what if this is true? What does yep. it mean for us? And I think students appreciate that understanding how their faith informs their life, how it shapes life. Um, but we've got to connect those dots for them. Yeah. 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 And one of the questions I like to ask students is is the so what question, but not so what, what does this mean? What if this is true? But so what, what if this is not true, right? What mm-hmm. if what if this wasn't true? What difference would it yeah. make then? Um, and right. to kind of flip it upside down, like what if God isn't holy, right? What yeah. if God does have, what if there is no purpose to your suffering? What yeah. then? Uh, right, so, yeah. To, to kind of flip it on its head a little bit and invite students to chew on that for a little bit. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And sometimes bring out some different nuances. Um, and so yeah. you, you talk about discipleship as alignment. Uh, what do you mean mm-hmm. by that? And what's that look like? Man, that's been one of the biggest things that I have. Um, it's it, it dominates a lot of my thinking. <laughs> um, just that's one of the things that I've learned through this whole process of writing my dissertation. and. Um, Something that I hope to give a lot more thought to uh, throughout the rest of my life, just unpacking that. Yeah, the more the more I move along, the more I see that that really is what discipleship is. Um, it is alignment. You know, uh, Scripture speaks of um, us as humans outside of Christ that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. That we are that we are in darkness, um, and so much of sin is cast in deception. And the truth is, um, we are still people created in the image of God. Yeah. 
And we are trying to work out what our purpose is and what the meaning for life is. And, and our students, man, this is, this is in the sweet spot of the questions that they are asking in life. Like, who am I? Why am I here? You know, what, what is it that I've been put here to do? And outside of Christ, we are going to write our own story. I was just having this conversation with a brother this morning that when we are disconnected from the story of God, we are going to write our own story. And that's what we see sin is. And because we are cut off from God, we don't have the capacity to know God as fallen beings. We're just going to try to weave this together. We want to be the master of our own soul and the, you know, the captain of our own ships, however you want to put it. Mm-hmm. We're trying to work out our own purpose and, and what is the meaning of life and all of these things. So there is great deception in sin. I love how uh, Dr. Dell Tackett with The Truth Project, he says that sin is insanity. And I think that that's a great definition for it, right? That it is believing something that is not real. It's also looking for something that we already have in God, in Christ, outside of Him, right? We're looking to something else that cannot be sufficient to be sufficient in some way that God already is sufficient. That's what sin is. And so when we are saved, uh, the Bible uses this light, dark, you know, kind of contrast all the way through the New Testament and even in the Old Testament that His light has pierced the darkness that we are regenerated, we have new hearts, that we are dead to sin and alive to God. And so now, um, I love how uh, Ephesians puts it. I I have this open right here. Um, It says um, that uh, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. And then listen to verse 9, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of all time uh, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. There's the objective. Like what is God's Mm -hmm. objective in redemption? Right there it is. It's to unite all things in Christ. And so what has happened in redemption is he has placed his spirit within us. And now as we grow in our knowledge of God, we're growing in our knowledge of his will. And he is through his spirit, he's aligning us with his will. He's aligning us with his story. And so that has just, that's made redemption and sanctifica- sanctification come alive to me. Mm-hmm. Where at one, one time, I just thought of it in terms of morality, right? The Spirit yeah. is working in me to make me a more moral person. But now I'm understanding that it is within this relationship with God. That's the other objective, right? He has saved us to bring us back to himself. Mm-hmm. It's through this increased knowledge of God, through relationship with him, that I'm also coming to understand what the story of God is and how my life should be aligned with it. And it is only with, it's only in alignment with God and His will that we experience peace and shalom as we ought. Um, mm-hmm. Now, we still live in a broken world, but even in the midst of the brokenness, the only way that I'm really going to experience peace in that is through alignment with God's will, understanding why, to some degree, things are going on the way that they are, understanding that God um, is in control, that he is sovereign, and understanding the picture for the objective of where he is taking all of this. You know, that results in peace now. Um, it also results in peace and shalom in the way that I live my life. I want to live my life in rhythm with God and his will. Yeah. So it is God bringing us into alignment with, with how things really are, and that begins with the knowledge of him, right? Yeah. So I'm more and more understanding discipleship as that. Um, how do I help my students understand the reality of God? And how do I begin to help them and challenge them and encourage them to understand the reality of everything else in light of the reality of God so that they can experience true relationship with Him? And so, you know, that's kind of what I'm talking about with alignment. That's so good. And I think, 
I think we try really hard to do that. And mm. sometimes not always in the most productive of ways. Mm, right? Yeah. Um, so could you just could you just re- reflect a little bit on the role of the Holy Spirit in that alignment mm. and in that discipleship process? Because yeah. I think we do. Yeah, like, I, we try to do this on our own power and with our best programming and my teaching yep. and this experience and whatnot. But what's the yeah. role of the Holy Spirit in that? Well, who can know the mind of a person uh, other than the spirit of the person, right? Yeah. That's what Scripture tells us. So God has placed his very spirit within us. And without the spirit in us, we would never know the will of God. We would mm-hmm. not. Um, you know, so, so we have God dwelling within us in this person of the spirit. And what is so beautiful about these prayers of Paul, I'll just, I'll just uh, you know, point to that as there's so many places that you can look. But you know, in these introductory prayers in Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, it uses these uh, a lot of similar terminology, um, wisdom, insight, discernment, understanding, uh, revelation, these, these words that Paul is praying that the people would, would, would come into wisdom, would come into understanding, that you would gain this. And by the way, the thread that, that weaves it all together is this word epignosis, a, a word for knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, so Paul is, is praying these prayers with the assumption that believers are already growing in a personal knowing of God through relationship. Yeah. So that's the only context with when this will, within this will happen, right? But in every single one of those prayers, all of those terms are coupled with the work of the Spirit. It's the Spirit who imparts this wisdom. It's the Spirit who imparts this understanding. It's the Spirit who imparts this revelation and this discernment. Um, so the Spirit is absolutely vital because it is the Spirit that illuminates the eyes of our hearts, as he prays in, in, in Ephesians, right? It's that we would know these spiritual realities, that we would know what is really real. Because here's the truth, Mike, for our students and even for us, most of the time, what feels natural to us is not what's real. And that's what mm-hmm. we're dealing with in our world today. Like yeah. we are giving so much authority to our feelings and our emotions when they feel the most natural to us. That's the most real thing that we feel, but they are absolutely deceptive. The Bible tells us our hearts are sinfully wicked. They're, they're deceitful and sick. We can't follow them. So we have to help students understand that and that it's only through a growing relationship with God um, and the work of his spirit that he can bring us into alignment with what really is real. And those mm-hmm. are the things often that our eyes don't see and our physical bodies can't feel. And a lot of times that can be, you know, our emotions can be out of alignment with what is real. So we need to be brought into alignment. We need mm-hmm. to measure that according to Christ. And, you know, when you begin to help students understand that that is the connection between faith and life right there, and you continue to go back to that and you continue to, to, to move in the direction of what Paul is praying that these people would uh, that these believers would realize and know, um, that's what I want for my students. What Paul prays, that's what I mm-hmm. want for them, right? More than a, a fun experience, more than just a great time, more than just retaining ability. You know, it, I want them to know these things. I want them to, I want them to experience the full effect of the gospel in their lives. And that's only going to happen um, if if I am driven by the scriptures and I'm pursuing the right objectives. No, Amen. Amen. So as we as we wrap up our conversation, um, do you have any final reflections or questions for youth workers to be asking or maybe discussing with their teams uh, as they yeah. prayerfully discern what does this sort of alignment uh, look like in their own ministries? Yeah, I think one of the one of the greatest things that uh, one of the greatest starting points 
is to ask the question, and I, I ask this on a, about a yearly basis with our student ministry leaders, um, why does our student ministry exist? I think that's a question that we're, we're scared to ask, mm-hmm. but that's a very healthy question. You know, you, We need to be able to answer that question. And it's not just because our church needs something for kids. You know? um, if that's or because answer, we need a job. That's, that's right. right. And it's not just about job security. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so it's important you come up with a good answer for that. But, uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I, think, uh, I think that's a good starting question. Why are we here? Why do yeah. we exist? And, you know, that, um, you know, from the secular realm, Simon Sinek has helped uh, people understand this. I've also heard some, some ministry leaders talk about it, but that golden circle of, of, of why, how, and what. Um, most of the time, student pastors are asking, what do we need to do, right? When yeah. the truth is we need to understand our why first, and then the why defines the how, and the how defines the what. Mm-hmm. And it really needs to work in that direction in order for us to do the best things with the time that we have. Uh, so that would be one thing. Um, second is just, you know, students can handle challenge. Um, and I know I've, uh, we've talked about this before. I've seen you communicate with others before. And I'm not just talking about I'm not just talking about high theology. I'm not just talking about using, you know, $10 theological terms. Yeah. Um, our students need to understand the fullness of the gospel. And one of the problems in our context is that we have an anemic understanding of the gospel. For, for far too many people, I think the gospel is just the plan of salvation. No, that's an aspect of the gospel. But the gospel is so much bigger. The gospel is also this cosmic announcement that that God in Christ is uniting all things in him and that he mm-hmm. is eternal king, right? And so yeah. I think that we need to not be scared to, to, to push our students into the depths of the gospel and help them understand that the gospel speaks to all areas of life and that um, the truth is we can pursue knowing God our entire lives and we're barely dipping our toes into the ocean of who God is. And you know, from a theology standpoint, I would say one of the best correctives I have made is Every time I teach from the scriptures, I'm always trying to point to an attribute of God or attributes of God that are highlighted in this passage because mm-hmm. it is all about Him. Um, and I think that we have, we have begun to operate primarily from a humanistic hermeneutic, which means we lead with the question, what does this say about me? And often we miss the, the centerpiece of the text, which is revealing who God is. Yeah. And so if we can begin with saying, okay, students, this is, this is who this passage says God is, and we're always looking to identify. Um, that's one of the things that I challenge them to do. You mm-hmm. know, from our passage tonight, who, who is God? You know, we've, we've walked yeah. through some of these attributes. Now you tell me, who does this communicate God is to us? Um, and then the third thing I would say, um, students, I, I think that we learn best through immersion. Um, and this is something, this is a, a thought that I'm still thinking through. So I hope this comes off, off well. Um, but something I've been thinking about, I'd love to unpack this with you, Mike, sometime. Uh, we can just have a, yeah. a further conversation. I'm but down. my daughter is in Spanish immersion school. Uh, she mm-hmm. has been for, she's in the third grade. And she is fluent now in the third grade. She, she is fluent in Spanish. And so uh, it reaffirmed for me that the best way to learn is through immersion, right? We are going to learn a culture. We're going to learn a way of living. We're going to learn the language. And for my daughter, she's learned more than just the language. She's learned about the culture and how to use different terminology in specific places because her teacher is from Costa Rica. She, you know, her, she's had teachers from Central and South America. Mm-hmm. And so it was funny. One night uh, we were sitting at the, at the dining room table and um, um, my oldest daughter, Emma, 16 now, uh, I can't remember how old she was, time, just a few years ago, but she was doing some math and Lydia was watching my youngest daughter. And Emma looked at Lydia and said, do you do this kind of math? 
And um, Lydia looked at it and she studied it for a second and she said, yeah, we've done a little bit of that, but I don't know what to call it in your language. <laughs> talking about English, you know? And so I'm sitting here thinking, wow, there's something to that, yeah. you know, that she has, she has been immersed, so she doesn't <laughs> just know a second language. That's almost a part of her culture. Yeah. Mike, that is what, that yeah. is what needs to happen with us in the gospel. Yeah. So I think that, I think the more that we can immerse students into the story of God, um, the more that they're not going to just learn, um, you know, bullet point answers, they're going to learn this way. And that's what Jesus says. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He yeah. calls us to follow him as the way, not just as a set of principles. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm, I'm wanting to, to help parents especially understand how to use the story grid, creation, fall, rescue, restoration, to answer every question their students have, especially about mm -hmm. culture. You know, what are, what are God's creative purposes for this? And how has sin distorted those purposes? How does Jesus redeem this? And where is this all going for eternity? If we can begin to push students through that grid, we are immersing them in the story every single time to yeah. point to it as the standard of truth. And I think the more that we do that in student ministry, you know, you can take song lyrics and do that with that. You can take a movie plot yeah. and do that with that. So I think it's important to shape the hearts of students. And I think it begins there. Um, to not just teach information, but begin to immerse them into the gospel, which is a culture and a language all its own. Because ultimately, we don't want them to just know a bunch of stuff. We want them to be gospel mm -hmm. people. And yeah. that is the objective. We want them to pursue what in eternity is going to be um, an eternal life abiding in the full presence of God. That's the treasure. Yeah. And that's Amen. what we want to pursue. Amen. Yeah. I think as I'm thinking about the immersion, um, the theological immersion, yeah, I, mean, I think that's just why gospel culture is so crucial for our ministries. Oh, yeah. um, it, it's not just about information transfer. And it's not just about Absolutely. having really fun games, but what is the gospel yeah. culture of our church, of our ministry? And frankly, um, what's the gospel culture of our students' homes? Um, how are we helping yeah. parents to lead Christian families where kids are immersed in a gospel-shaped life mm. so they understand what does it mean for us to live weekly, daily, yeah. normally, um, according to the alignment. And what if, alignment what if we will. looked at the fun things? You're right. What if we looked at the fun things we did and we asked the, we, we, we gained a vision for wanting to see a gospel culture, even in the way the students relate to each other in fellowship and games. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. That, you're, you're that is a picture that we are right wanting now. to move. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we are wanting to move. Yeah towards an objective that's bigger than the games. We don't yeah. want just students to like each other. We want to see them living the gospel out yep. with each other. Yep. And, you know, that is that is holistic discipleship, yep. man. That's Amen. that's what I think we have to pursue. Amen. Hey, I would love to keep talking about this, but time is out. So, uh, Jason, <laughs> I, I'm so thankful for you and thankful for your friendship. Um, thanks for this conversation and uh, for joining us for this episode of the Youth Pastor Theologian Podcast. Yeah, man. It's absolutely ditto. I just want to take the moment to say, man, how much I appreciate you. And uh, man, what you're doing with Youth Pastor Theologian is is really an answer or a prayer uh, of mine. You know, I'm just thrilled with what you're doing and how you're challenging student ministry leaders. And um, just appreciate you, brother. And it's an honor to, to even be a small part of that. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, the appreciation uh, is is mutual. And it's not what I'm doing, it's what we're doing. And you're a part of that. So I'm very, very thankful for you. Well, thanks for joining us for this conversation. Please visit youthpastortheologian.com to learn more about our resources. 
You can find us on social media at Youth Theologian. We also have an active Facebook group where you can ask questions, share articles, and generally encourage fellow youth pastor theologians who are in the trenches with you. We'd sure appreciate it if you'd be so kind as to subscribe, leave a review, or even recommend this podcast to fellow youth workers. You can also subscribe to get new articles delivered to your inbox and to ensure that you don't miss any fresh content by checking out our website at youthpastortheologian.com. Most of all, we appreciate your ministry and your partnership in the gospel. If there's a topic that you'd like us to address, or if you have an article to submit for the blog, then you can also share those on our website by following the submissions tab. In the meantime, keep your eyes on Jesus, and we'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.